hello and welcome to the black chick lit podcast i'm danielle and i'm molly and this month we read <laughs> this could be us but you plan by catch it cash it i don't know i don't really care to, i don't know and um we're gonna talk we're gonna get into it so um we picked this book sort of on a whim <laughs> we were like we need to do more genre fiction mm-hmm, and one mm-hmm. of us mentioned urban fic and molly was all for it yes <laughs> so this is what we're doing i i looked, did some research for this episode so i looked up some numbers specifically about the publisher of the novel we picked this month or yeah for this month so you might get a little bit more out of this one because it's 2017 and it's time we start educating folks and and just stepping it up from what we did in 2016 where we just talked about books you should be leaving this yeah we need to start we need to start doing better yeah so how have you been people as a nation and as a podcast (laughs) as a podcast so have you been since i guess the last time we spoke was before the new year yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, everything's hanging on here. Um, I thought the great flood had finally come to wash us away down here in Southern California because it's been raining nonstop. But uh, well, that's good. Uh, you all are like in a drought. From what that's I true. That's true. But then all the water just kind of runs off into the ocean. And we just kind of watch it go. <laughs> so I hear that Missouri had a big ice storm, which is why we're able to record a little bit earlier yeah we had a big ice storm and everyone like my they called off work canceled classes modot was like just don't drive anywhere just stay indoors because you know we didn't prep the streets so just don't go anywhere <laughs> modot being the missouri department of transportation right who cons- <laughs> consistently fails uh well maybe you could just stay inside i mean we could we could throw down a salt but you know i they, i felt like they yeah i feel like they're always running out of salt and i'm like how <laughs> i got you're, some salt you're a midwestern state but yeah i i feel like that is their game plan they're like we could prep the roads or you all could just not go anywhere like yeah <laughs> and everyone just kind of shrugs and they're like you got a good point you got a good point Modot. so i mean it did get me off work so yeah so yeah, so it's 2017. We've planned like the first quarter of books. I feel like we've done like we're like hoping to do two episodes a month yes. coming up. And so we've yes. planned like the first quarter, like March, January, February, and March. And yes. so we're gonna put that out on Twitter, make a little graphic or something. Yeah, and we um uh we're gonna start releasing episodes on the same day because <laughs> that's a best practice. So yeah, you should look for us on Wednesdays. We're gonna try and aim for the. Well, when's this one going up? That'll be. It'll probably be the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. Is what it's mm-hmm. looking like. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the yeah. second and fourth Wednesday of the month, we'll have these up. So we're really bringing it to 2017. Yeah, we're really trying to get out there, start our protest blog. Um, if you heard a little clack, that was me, like literally picking up some sunglasses and putting them on. Because <laughs> get ready. Yeah. So I can't put all... these on under these headphones. We all got beat up by 2016, and I feel like we're all like, you know what, enough. So enough. And I'm really glad. Every time I see someone on Twitter like I'm not taking this shit anymore, I'm 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 proud of them and I cheer them on. So that leads to my next thing. So let's start talking about the book. I would just like to say up front, I usually try to avoid expletives and profanity when recording. <laughs> but I feel like in this episode it's just gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. So this is the just I I think last time I edited out like I tried to edit out F bombs when they happened. I'm not gonna try on this one because I feel like there'll be too many. So yes. if language 
And we want that explicit tag. All the cool podcasts have the explicit tag. I want one. Yeah. So if language is the thing that offends you, I would just give the warning now. There'll probably be some foul language in this episode. And um, again, and I'll just put that with a spoiler. This could be us, but you playing as a book you were concerned about us spoiling. Actually, probably don't worry because I only know half of what's going on. <laughs> Molly's the only one who really knows. So, so let's get into it. So this could be us, but you plan was written by Cashit, and it was originally published in January 2016. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I looked it up. There is a second and a third book in this series. The second book came out in March 2016, and the sequel came out in July 2016. Uh, look, I've read fan fiction that's taken longer to update. This woman published. I'm trying not to be mean, but I'm very angry at this book. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do not take it as a good sign that three books in the series were published in a span of seven months. Some might call it prolific. Some might call (laughs) it just rushed and sloppy. I will say this, though. I don't don't want to hate on this author. I will say this, though. This is the nicest thing I probably have to say, and she's listening, or if anyone who likes this book is listening, listen to this next point and then stop, because this is as as positive I'm going to be. This author said she wanted to write a book, and she did it. She wrote a book. She reached out and got it published. And it's out there now. How many of us have said the same thing? How many of us have said, I want to write a book? And like, that's as far as we went. So this woman had a dream. She wrote a book. She did it. And it's done. I mean, I haven't done that. So So yeah, I will give her props for doing that. But that is literally the only positive thing I can say going forward. I see. Yes. (laughs) I'm very angry. (laughs) I have a lot of feelings this episode. I'm very angry. So I'm actually, for this coming up, I'm going to let Molly handle the synopsis. Because as far as I can tell, there's a character and she just gets shat on by everyone. Yeah, so um, let's see. I'm not (laughs) usually the best at um, summarizing, but I'm going to give it a go. And I'm sure that one day... We'll do like a best of like the funniest jokes or whatever. And me trying to explain this book is going to be on it because I tried to explain it. Um, when I finished it, I tried to explain it to someone and um, he just kept saying, I don't I don't understand what you're saying. It just sounds like complete randomness. So same. <laughs> Molly okay. did tweet out a Venn diagram. Yes. Oh, Very- that would help if I looked it up because um character names oh yeah it's <laughs> something that i do very well if you go on our okay. twitter account at black tit lit um there is a nice venn diagram of all the characters in this book that molly <laughs> took notes on and i think the categories were cheaters abusive stupid yes okay so it starts with dominique um who we're gonna call nikki um for reasons <laughs> So Nikki is, um, I believe, a high school sophomore or senior, and she is in love with this dude named Caleb. Um, They are at his house because Nikki's mother is, like, wildly abusive toward her. Um, There's this big scene where... She comes in and she's just beating the shit out of her and pulling her hair and throwing her across the room. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, Over some Cocoa Puffs. Over some Cocoa Puffs. And so the mother's name is Monique. um, 
And she, I guess, was out with this dude who was cheating on his girl. And then the girl comes in and beats up Monique. So Monique comes home and gets mad. So she beats up the daughter. But Monique has, like, I think eight kids. She has a number of children. And several of them have, like, um, fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, yeah i need a lot of care and so she just tells dominique like you have to do this you have to do this and dominique you know she wakes up she's exhausted and uh she's like what's going on i thought i cleaned and there's cocoa puffs all over the place which i don't you know if your mom's beating your sister all the time would you like try not to get cocoa but everyone in this book is stupid so everyone in this book is stupid so um so basically, her mother's an asshole and her dad's her in jail. Her mother is very abusive. Her father is in jail for beating the mother. Um, and it turns out that he beat the mother because he wanted her to be a better mother, which I didn't really understand either. And that's why he went into the stupid and abusive ca- categories. Um, basically, he got this girl pregnant when she was very young. She comes to his house, like looking for her $800 for the abortion money. And then. Um, his mother is like, we don't believe in abortion. Um, so they get married and then he starts beating her because she wants to go out and party. And uh, then one time he beats her very badly and she, he ends up going to jail. And that's when she starts beating Dominic or Dominique, um, which I, I mean, I don't understand how you cannot believe in abortion because it's like real and a thing. But you're cool with having your grandchildren get beaten half to death, like, on the regular. So that is why she went into the stupid category. Franny. I feel like... mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your synopsis. I feel like, before we move on, I just want to say, most of the plot of this book is motivated by the fact that everyone in this book makes terrible decisions. Terrible. But, like, not terrible decisions in the kind of flawed, like, decisions like... Like, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, there are terrible decisions characters make where you can understand why they reach that decision. Because the first, this is, I feel really bad that this is the only example that's coming to me. But in Avatar The Last Airbender, <laughs> this is the only one I can think of for the moment. Avatar The Last Airbender, there is the scene on, like, the second season premiere, spoilers alert for whatever that is, for the second season finale of um the, the show, spoiler alert, where Zuko wants to be accepted by his father, but he's also a better person than his father. So when he has the chance to either let the Avatar go, which is what good person him would do, or kill the Avatar and return home to um, be welcomed as a hero, he he quote unquote kills the Avatar. It's like, that's a terrible decision, but you get why he makes it. It's Mm -hmm. logical in the story. No, people people make make nonsensical decisions. People in the story story. just make make stupid decisions because it's just written for For them to be stupid. For reasons like why doesn't anyone ever call child protective services right that was a big that was a big question that i had like how do you get to keep all eight of your kids when like one of them has fetal alcohol syndrome yeah I like think that's that a would really get easily you in the provable. System. yeah right, right. I, think I think that, that would, would like get a like a cps worker or a social worker to start coming by seeing the cocoa puffs everywhere but i don't know i don't live in this world which i'll get to in a second Uh, Uh, because there's a lot of things about how this world operates that i quite didn't quite understand okay i'm gonna stop interrupting and let you know i just (laughs) i have a lot of feelings so go ahead (laughs) okay so after dominique or nikki gets beaten um 
her first thoughts are, I hope I get to go to this party over the weekend to see Caleb. Um, and so she goes and sees Caleb and they're like fooling around and he's like, let's have sex. And she's like, no, you know, I want to wait until we get married. And he's like, you know, not feeling that. And he's like, damn, you're stuck up and all this stuff. And he's like, these bitches throw themselves at me all the time. And this really upsets her for, I mean, I get it. I get if you were, that would upset me if I heard it, but not in the context. Like, there's so many things she doesn't get mad at. So I don't understand why this was a big breaking point for her. I, so I, she's, I don't understand yeah. why he's written to be sympathetic. Like, you're supposed to want her to end up with him. And I'm like, no, he's I gross. mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess when so, your ass is getting beat by your mother, anything. Well, you might not have gotten to the big twist with his oh, story. I probably didn't. <laughs> Go so, ahead and ruin it. So he's like, oh, okay. You know, uh, they both feel like, oh, we'll, we'll see each other at this party and we'll make up. It'll be fine. Like, this is just a temporary thing. They've been together since they were 11 or something like that. So Monique, uh, Dominique, Nikki... Sorry, I'm looking at this chart. There's so many names. Nikki goes back home and Monique's there waiting for her. And so is um, her sister. And I wasn't quite sure on the pronunciation. I was calling her Nichia. Um, oh, yeah. I, Nichia? I, I yeah. think so. Her it's half-sister? A yes, her secret half-sister who her father... Like found the had this friend who he impregnated, and then she didn't tell him that uh, this was his daughter. And I, I don't know. There were a lot of changes with that particular character because at one point everyone loved her and she was an angel, but then later you find out that she was a horrible alcoholic. So <laughs> I didn't quite know what was going on there. But anyway, so Nichia lives with their grandma Franny, and they've come over to the house for whatever reason. They see Monique and Dominique. And this huge fight happens where the grandma, the daughter-in-law, and the granddaughter, like, get into, like, a bare-knuckles fight. Oh, yep. I read that scene. And it's right. insane. <laughs> and then Franny, the grandma, is trying to leave, and then she just has a heart attack and, like, falls out on the ground. So they all go to the hospital. Again, why they didn't call the police on Franny, they were like, Dominique, you'll go to jail, too. And it's like, I don't, I don't think she will. I don't think she will if this lady was attacking her grandma and her and everybody, like, through her sister. Yeah. So, needless to say, Dominique misses the party. And um, later on, after the grandma feels better, she gets a call from one of her friends. And they say, oh, Caleb. Caleb was all with this girl at the party. And it's someone got pictures and it's all over the school. He cheated on you, girl. Dominique is completely heartbroken and decides that this is the reason why she should move in with her grandmother instead of all the, like the continual beatings. <laughs> She's like, I had to get away from him. I had to move out of Atlanta. I'm going to go to the suburb. So she bounces. At that point, the story skips forward four years and you find out that uh, Dominique is involved with this uh, guy she met in college who's going to go pro in football named uh deandre deandre so deandre um (laughs) is cheating on her like that's how i think we're introduced to him he's cheating on her with her best friend shanice um as well as possibly some other girl who i don't think they mentioned in this book um shanice is probably in the sequel it could be in the sequel. 
Um, so Shanice is upset because she and DeAndre are like play cousins and Shanice got pregnant by him before um, Dominique did. So she has a secret baby by DeAndre, who she's also abusing by like picking her up by the arm and all this crazy stuff. Um, and Dominique has a little boy whose name I forget because he's kind of a non-entity. She keeps dropping him off at the grandma's house. <laughs> um, Dominique does not work. <laughs> but she's completely relying on DeAndre, who seems to be really wealthy, even though like, I'm not 100% sure what he does at this point because he, he isn't signed to anyone. So they live in this big house. They're going to buy this other big, beautiful house. They go to the house. It turns out, surprise. Caleb is the guy selling this house because him and his best friend, Desmond, who has this whole backstory that's going to confuse it if I get into it. Yes, please. please. <laughs> the one like thing they, is, like, every time a character is introduced, you have to hear, like, their entire, you like a, their entire birth, life story. From conception, you hear. Like, so, their credit history, their, their credit like, Amazon history. shopping history. Like, it's too much. So these two are um, like they grew up like brothers and they sold drugs and then eventually they got out. And they started buying mansions to flip them. OK, which... yeah, that's, that's doable. I mean, you got to have a business mansions. plan is what I always say. So they've got this beautiful mansion. Caleb sees Dominique come in with um, DeAndre and he's like, this is the woman I love. I can't believe it. So he like follows her to the bathroom. He's like, why did you ever call me? And she's like, so they're flipping this mansion. DeAndre's going to buy it for him and Dominic. And oh, um, the baby's name is like DeAndre Jr., I think. Of course it is. So for DeAndre Jr. as well. Um, Caleb realizes this is the love of his life. He's like, you got to get back with me, Dominic. Like, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I know it. But you got to get back with me. And um She's like, nah. <laughs> but then we learn that Caleb is living, well, not living with, but he is going out with a literal supermodel um, named Tiara, who is supposed to be very beautiful, very self-driven, um, makes a lot of money on her own. Like they're going out to, I think, Barbados. And I, she's just like this total package. And he's kind of like, you know what? I think I need to get back with my sophomore year girlfriend, which I can't didn't quite understand um, because I, I don't know. I don't know if um, Tiara comes back in later books and she turns out to be awful, but she was one of the very few people. I think she's on the list and maybe OK. Uh, no, she's in stupid because she can't figure out that uh, that Caleb's cheating on her. So. um you know, all this stuff happens, and uh, it turns out that the friend Shanice is actually a supervillain. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you got to these revelations, Danielle, or not. But um, on the night of this party, she actually drugged um, Caleb. And um, now in this book, now I will admit, I don't know if Daniel knows this, but I did buy the sequel and started you reading it. Did, I did not know that. <laughs> I am really shocked by that. <laughs> so there's a bit of an Annie Wilkes moment where in the first book, <laughs> um, Shanice, it's revealed 
um, towards the end of the book that she drugged Caleb um, and uh, at this party while he was waiting around, he was like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit here and wait for Dominique. I got to make it up to her. I got to make it up to her. She's like, have a drink. And she like crushed up an ambient and put it in there. And then um, he gets all woozy. He tries to stand up and walk. He can't. She follows him up to the bathroom and starts giving him head. So she rapes so that's him? what. Yes. Yes. She rapes him. What the um, <laughs> oh, girl, it gets it gets crazier. I can only deal so with the then, first one. I can't get into the second one, too. <laughs> I need answers. I'm going to finish it. You're braver so, than I am. <laughs> so after she in, in the second book, it's revealed that it's actually her cousin who goes up to give him the head. And that's why, like, no one knew who she was. And then she takes a picture. And then when he tries to contact Dominique later, like, she doesn't give her any of the messages or whatever. And I don't know. Shanice is this awful person, and I can't quite understand why. Um, So so he was set up to make it look like he cheated on Dominique. He was set up to make it look like he was cheating on Dominique by Shanice, the rapist. Um, I still don't care about him or have any. I I maybe feel a little marginal drop and that he was raped by this flat supervillain. But other than that. Oh, it gets worse. (laughs) I don't know how. (laughs) So um, after Shanice um, is kind of revealed to have orchestrated this first breakup, um, you find out that she has a baby with the Andre who hits her sometimes and um, is always like, oh, you don't have to call me. We don't have to be together. And it's like he has this weird mindset about their relationship that everything is her fault. Um, Like he's not the one like going over and sleeping with her. So I was very mad at him throughout the book. But then it turns out that Shanice raped DeAndre also. What the the hell is going (laughs) on? I, so I guess that I can't remember exact the exact circumstances, but that it, it was the same. Like she drugged his drink at some point and slept with him. And that's as she uh, conceived the first time that they slept together. That's how she had the daughter with him. He in his mind thinks that he just got too drunk and that's how they ended up sleeping together. Like there's a definitely a discussion to be had about sexual abuse against men in this book. Oh, yeah, because I don't Shanice think this book is, is a, smart enough to do it, though. Shanice is a straight monster. So then um, Shanice becomes pregnant again by DeAndre. um, And she just doesn't tell anyone because people ask her all the time, who is the father of your baby? I think her baby's name is Paris. Who's Paris's father? And she basically says, some dude, you never met him. Um, and it, it turns out that Shanice is the way she is, is because she was so coddled by her, by her parents, who they said, uh, bought her a Benz at one point. And I thought, oh, they must be really rich. But then it turns out that her father's a truck driver and her mom is an elementary school teacher. And they're like buying her like but, all these like. That doesn't make any right. sense. That would Money explain makes why no be, sense in these books. That'd be explained why maybe she's selfish and have entitlement issues, but that doesn't explain why you'd be straight up raping people. That's not a character. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand. Uh, okay. So then she gets pregnant by um, DeAndre again. And he's like, oh, you know, um, 
He's like, this is all your fault. You're this awful bitch, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then every time we go into his head, he's like, of course, you know, I never use a condom and uh, I knew she wasn't on the pill, but I still feel like it's her fault. No, like that's an actual thing. that he. No, that's that not how says, it works. That he says in the book. So um, he gets signed onto, and I'm so sorry, like someone's going to think I'm so dumb, but the team in New Orleans, the football team. The Saints. Yes, and it might not even be them. I, for some reason, New Orleans is stuck in my head. I told you this is going to end up on the worst of reels. <laughs> but so he's like, oh, I got to go out of town for this training, right? Um, oh, but before that happened, because that's kind of the end of the book. I swear I'm almost done with this okay. disjointed. <laughs> um. Shanice, who, remember, is supposed to be um, Dominique's best friend, and Nichia, who became very close with Dominique when she moved to Franny's house, the half-sister, they all decide to go out to the movies, even though Shanice and Nichia hate each other more than anything, like, on the face of the planet, more than people in, like, Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas. Like, they hate (laughs) one another but dominique says hey let's go out and watch the purge and eat at olive garden (laughs) okay Okay. did she really name drop the purge she does no dominique's watching movies all the time and she's like thinking about them like she she could almost be a film critic she's like i really like how they did this i really like how they did that or what do you think would happen if like uh like there's this one interesting part where she's like what do you think would happen if all crime was legal for one day and Shanice starts saying, oh, you know, Negroes would be out here looting and killing and everything. And Chia's like, uh, it's not just black people who loot. And Shanice is like rolling her eyes. So in addition to being all those other things, Shanice is also a self-hating black woman. <laughs> but putting that aside, <laughs> um, they go eat at the Olive Garden, which again confused me because they're supposed to be very wealthy. Like they're buying like all these really expensive houses and cars and clothes. But the things they spend their money on are like uh, middle class stuff. Yeah. Like they go to Olive Garden. They're like, this shit's so good. Like she goes to buy a bunch of um, uh, uh, lingerie from Victoria's Secret. I was like, y- you a grown ass woman. Like you could do better. <laughs> you know, your husband's like a football player. You don't have to be at the Olive Garden anymore. You know what I'm saying? I, I get what you're so- saying. <laughs> They come out of the movie and they start having a fight, Nichia and Shanice, and some kind of argument. And then Shanice pulls some kind of punk move and Nichia just like beats her ass for it. And then um, Dominique's like running around, like begging them to stop. And all these dudes come around and start filming it. And one guy's like, world star. And um, uh, Dominique finally pulls her sister off Shanice and they start walking away. Shanice picks up like a chunk of pavement or something and throws it at the back of Nichia's head. So Nichia goes over and she like rips out all of her, she has all this pink uh, weave in. She rips out all the weave and she's like just pounding and pounding her. And then the cops come, they arrest Nichia and they're like, you beat up a pregnant lady. <laughs> Everyone's like, whoa, Shanice was pregnant. How did and the- she's like, <laughs> wait a minute. How did the police know if nobody else knew? I think Shanice told them. Oh, okay. Shanice knew that she was pregnant and oh, DeAndre okay. knew that that she was pregnant with his child. Okay. Um, 
so Dominique's freaking out. She's like, um, she's calling Dion. Uh, yeah, she's calling DeAndre and calling him and calling him, calling him, saying like begging for money to get her sister out of jail. But DeAndre has gone to the hospital to be with Shanice and his unborn baby. Um, or maybe he didn't go. No, he's just at home. But he was on the phone with um, Shanice thinking about her and his unborn baby. Um, so then Dominique calls Caleb and asks, you know, she's like, oh, I need like $1,200 or something. He's like, I got it. And then she's like, what? You're not even going to ask me for what? He's like, no, you said you needed it. So I'm going to give it to you. And she's like, I can't believe it. And she's crying. She's crying. She realizes she loves this dude. They start sleeping together. Um, so that's why I made this before Dominique started um, cheating with Caleb. This um, The chart. Uh, the chart. So you can imagine just moving her up to cheaters, too. <laughs> um, and... Like, all this stuff, all this detail I'm leaving out, it's kind of important, it's not important. DeAndre proposes, um, uh, the sister starts dating Desmond, there's a scene in a club, all this other stuff. But I, um, I think that's the summation of it, though, right? What's that? That's the summation of it, right? That's the, the gist. Yeah, yeah, that's the gist. Well, there is one other, one last thing. Um, so... Dominique is, uh, well, DeAndre's got signed somewhere and he's like, I got to go off to training camp. And so Dominique's like, okay. But obviously it's like a front so he can get back with um, uh, Shanice and they were going to go off for like a beach vacation or something. And uh, I don't know quite how Dominique didn't know that it wasn't like the training camp because I feel like you could look that up. But at the same time, she kind of knew the whole time. What's that? You could Google that. Very easily. Yeah, you can Google that. Um, the whole time, I feel like she knew that he was cheating, and she just was like, stop, and he was like, nah. And she was like, oh. So she decides, hey, I'm going to go hang out with Caleb while he's gone. They go to the mall. They're shopping around Victoria's Secret. Like, they're buying clothes for uh, DeAndre Jr., and he's going to pay. And Shanice is like, no, I feel like that's crossing a line. But it's like, you just have very graphic graphic and explicit sex with this guy terribly but him graphic <laughs> and explicit sex but um him buying some like oshkosh bagosh for your son <laughs> is like crossing a line i didn't really understand that decision so they're coming out of the victoria's secret and all of a sudden deandre is staring there standing there like looking at that and he's like what's going on and then the book ends wow first of all i would like to say Kudos on you for trudging through all that and getting all of that. Because I think I made it to 18% and it was like, I'm done. <laughs> I can't. These people are stupid. This writing is stupid. So yeah, I, I think I get the gist now. It's just a bunch of foolishness. We can sum up the whole book. It is a bunch of foolishness. Just foolishness. Um, so you went, I, I want to go back. You went and bought the sequel? Uh-huh. I did. Okay, so here is like the big, my big reveal because Danielle has been talking to me. She's like, I hate this book. I hate this book. I didn't mind it that much. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this book so much. I I wanted to see what was going to (laughs) happen. I, (laughs) you can't see my head is down on my coffee table. Um, I didn't mind it that much. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a (laughs) revelation. This book offended me 
professionally. <laughs> it offended me personally. It offended me as a person who knows how to use commas. There was nothing okay with this book for me. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that's a relevation. So yeah, I guess we'll have a very interesting conversation. Yeah, just some um, like peek behind the curtain. Danielle is just like, oh, it's so horrible. It's so horrible. I've been trying really hard to like just be very neutral. Like, oh. Yeah. I okay. Before we begin, I would like to say I went into this like uh-huh. I think very open minded. I went into like because okay. we we said last time we both read we both read Urban Lit before. Like I've yeah. read Fly Girl. I've read Donald Goins. How do you pronounce his last name? Goins. I've uh-huh. read Sister. Um, no, that's Precious. I've read Push by um Sapphire. But you hated Push. Well, I remember when you read Push. I didn't enjoy you it. You hated Push. But I didn't, I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't hate it for the same reasons as I hate this book. Like, uh-huh. Push, I could see what she was doing. Like, there was some artistic thought put into that. Like, there was some literary decisions made for the reason it was written. This was uh-huh. written just because the person who didn't know how to write and the person who edited it may not have existed. Like, I yeah, can... <laughs> I kind of think that, because you can, you can definitely tell that the first half of the book has been better edited than the second half of the book edited using very loosely yeah so I don't know if like they had you know they ran out of time I don't know I don't want to make any assumptions but I did find more like obvious errors yeah as the book went on especially (laughs) in the last chapter there were just random words lots of misspellings like I, I just feel like maybe someone started editing it yeah and didn't finish and where push has that i feel like this being used as like a dialect like if there's misspelled words it's done purposefully because the character is illiterate whereas mm-hmm. this like she's going to college so it's not yeah yeah she was in college and like she seemed so like we said some of the character choices are kind of baffling because she's this hard worker she's this good girl you know, she goes to college, she does all this stuff, but she is just so stupid. Like, it, yeah. it's really mind-boggling. Yeah, well, and I never felt that can, like, for me, the tension and all the abuse never felt real. One, because Monique was so over the top. Like, she was so comedically evil. Like, Yeah, Monique was like the devil. It was, like the literal devil when she comes in. Ridiculous. And then Dominique was just like, okay, whatever. Like, there's one scene where she's talking with her father while he's in jail. By the way, his name mm-hmm. is spelled the feminine way. And so I just pictured Jesse from Toy Story the entire time. It's spelled J-E-S-S-I-E. It is. I thought about that. Yeah. It's Instead of J-E-S-S-E. Yeah. And I'm like, this is distracting. So I just pictured Jesse from Toy Story. But there's this scene where the um they're talking about how he's like, he's telling his daughter, he's like, you know, as soon as you graduate high school, you'll be able to escape from her. And I shit you not, the word that is actually used, the next sentence is like, Dominique giggled and said, I know, I can't wait. And it pissed me off. It's like, (laughs) giggling is not the correct, appropriate, like, that is not the appropriate response to the situation. You are talking to this man about how your mother, like, continually kicks your ass. You should be reacting, you should not be responding to it as if he had promised to take you to Mexico if you got a (laughs) 4.0 on your report card. Like, there was never any seriousness. She never reacted to it with any seriousness. So it's like, well, why should I care? Like, no one in this book cares about anything. That she cared about. It was kind of of surprising um, just the the way Monique kind of fell off from the story. (laughs) Well, because I assume Shanice entered and they didn't have room for two assholes. Well, you would think that. But then in the second (laughs) book, 
Shanice's cousin. And the cousin might actually be named Paris. Yeah, the cousin's name is Paris. The daughter's name, I think, is London. Oh, my God. So Paris comes in and she sounds awful. Like, she's the one who um, was the actual one to sexually assault um, uh, Caleb. And Shanice was just the accessory. Oh, my God. I still can't get over you about this. <laughs> but um, so I guess my biggest criticism with this book and everything I have that can fall underneath it, and I think this just becomes comes from like our different backgrounds, is that for me this is not a product you would finish. You would not call this book a finished product and then have the nerve to go and charge somebody for it. And I realize that like urban lit has a lot of criticism because mm-hmm. of like I guess the content and the language. I don't mind the content and the language. I've read things with similar content and similar language. This book, though, mm-hmm. felt like no thought was put into it. Like, she wrote the first draft, they put it in EPUB, and they put it on Amazon for 99 cents. And at the same time, they're turning around and presenting themselves as if they're... This was presented by a company called Cole Hart Publishers or something that are trying to present themselves as, like, a publishing line for, like, African-American writers. But they're pulling out this really bad, inferior product. It's like going to McDonald's and ordering a cheeseburger... And then getting nothing but a bun with some ketchup and mustard and a used rubber glove inside. It's like, this is not, like, it's offensive to me on on that level. So I can't, and like, I can't get past that. So even talking about the plot, everything goes back to, well, the author didn't know what she was doing. So I can't even examine it that way. I see. So that's my issue. Yeah, I think we just approach it from different, um, different, uh, like starting points yeah because i used to be like that i used to think like oh my goodness like this is really inferior this is awful and then a friend of mine said to me um he's like i'm not ever gonna get mad at anybody from taking money that people want to give them because i was saying oh this person's overpaid that person's overpaid and they were like well what what are you gonna do like not not take not take somebody's money so if people enjoy this if they want to give uh catching her money if they want to pay for it that's cool <laughs> i think i don't think that she's um untalented i think that this book could have used um it could have used an editor oh like it, it yes. absolutely not just for the um the spelling and the grammar mistakes but i think to help her shape some of her ideas and to kind of play off some of the things yeah. because Shanice, for all of her issues and craziness actually has some good villain uh schemes and plots and points in the book so you're like oh my god what's this special you kind of want to see where it's going and i don't think every writer has that ability to be engaging Mm -hmm. like for all the book's flaws and for all the book's like craziness i do think that she um i mean obviously i bought the second book like she engaged (laughs) me in some way (laughs) um but again that was I don't know. I do read a lot of like internet writing, a lot of personal essays, which are supposed to be allegedly the worst thing you could ever read. But, um, uh, you know, you just kind of skip over that. So, I mean, I read fanfic and I've read fanfic that was better polished than this. And I guess I take it personally because going back to your friend's money thing, that's what I went Mm -hmm. to college for and could not get a job for it. Mm. So like you can't find editing jobs because no one thinks they need an editor. And it's like, you really do. And this is a company trying to present themselves as a publishing house, putting out stuff like this, trying to compete. And it's like, this is unacceptable. And 
I can't get a job and you because you don't think you need well I mean I have a job obviously I'm not bitter about that but I'm saying is like people don't value editing and this is why because they don't think they need it because they don't realize no they don't realize how important a skill it is like this book isn't just it isn't just as you said like commas and misspellings it's shaping the narrative like someone should have told her we don't need to know everyone's backstory if it's not relevant right. to the plot don't include it we don't need to know like that whole Instagram tangent in the first thing in the first I didn't know that had nothing to do with it had anything. nothing to do with anything in the prologue of the book one of the characters goes on this really long tirade about how Instagram is terrible and you would think that this will come into play like maybe someone discovered they were being cheated on or maybe someone was going to be catfished in the book no it never comes up it's just he doesn't like Instagram and we have to read five pages about why he doesn't like Instagram and it's like that's why I couldn't finish the book also because I never felt as if I was moving forward because something would happen a new character would be introduced or something would happen and we'd have to spend like three to five pages going back into that person's backstory and it's like this is exhausting it's like I know you know my Simpsons references it's like um when they the Poochie episode where they want to go to the uh-huh. fireworks factory it's like we just want to <laughs> yeah. go to the fireworks factory but we can't because we got to stand here and do all this dumb exposition yeah yeah this could have she could have lost about 10 characters and <laughs> made the story um it would have made more sense yeah so like i don't think you needed to have monique i don't think she needed to have like this abusive background i really don't think you needed to have a relationship with jesse because that made no sense whatsoever it actually made the mother a little bit more sympathetic when you find out hey her mother was awful to her no one thought that she could make the decision to have an abortion her husband was beating the shit out of her and then he went to jail. Yeah. I mean, that's no excuse to beat your own kids, but it's kind of like, well, there are no heroes in this book. Right. She could have just mentioned that her father was in jail because he doesn't impact the plot, I don't think. No, when I skimmed it, he doesn't show back up. Yeah. The real yeah, villain I don't think he... is the grandmother. What's that? The real villain is the grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she kind of is. Like, if you if you know your son... And again, they kind of blame her, um, you know, oh, you got pregnant. And then she's like, I want to have an abortion. And then they're like, no, we don't believe in that. And then she has a kid and she definitely has some kind of mental issues, some kind of attachment issues. Um, And then when she can't deal with that. Yeah, they like start beating her (laughs) to cure her of it. And at no point did anyone step in and say, hey, like, this is not okay. Like, why don't you leave? this lady stop stop fucking her stop having kids with her yeah they have like 10 um, children yeah even though they hate each other maybe get an um, iud maybe get an iud get your tubes tied like she it's it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of um character because you you know they make this judgment call abortion is bad right uh-huh. but then she never goes on birth control. She can't handle her kids. Like her whole life spirals out of control. Her kids life spiral out of control. And that's supposed to be like on the, on the scales better than if she had the abortion. Right. And then they also don't give any plausible reason for why she doesn't get the birth control. Like if she can't afford birth control, say they couldn't afford birth control. But then her dad, I think was like a contractor or something. Like, everyone had a job except for, like, Shanice and Dominique, but they didn't need jobs because they're, like, DeAndre was rich and taking care of everybody. I know. And, like, I don't know. I, 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 
<laughs> I'm going back to my notes to see what else there is to say. I I didn't want to go into this book like dumping on it, and I didn't want to go into this book dumping on urban lit either because I get there's an audience for it. I guess my issue is just the way the way the story was presented and the fact that I, I, I don't know. I'm just astounded that this book was published. I can't get over that. Yeah. And so, um, someone is cutting their grass somewhere. Here you go. I hope it's not my computer making a lot of noise. Oh no. Someone is definitely cutting their grass, grass right now. Oh, you touched on this. And I just want to say this. What's that? I have read books with sex in it before. Not a uh-huh. problem. This was like the most, those were the most repulsive sex scenes I have ever read. Like at oh, one yeah. point the word creamy center was used. I nearly gagged. Like I did like in the interest <laughs> of time, start skipping over the sex scenes at the end. I didn't think that they were that bad. I just thought they were kind of repetitive. Like just like, oh, and they were really like, I want to sound like, I don't know, somebody right now, but they were like really male focused. Yeah. Like, she would go into the mine and it's like, this is what my penis is doing right now. Oh, my God. Look at it. Look at it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My penis. My penis. My penis. It's like, I get it. I get it. You have but a this penis. Is, you have a penis. And I feel like this is a book for women. So, right. what, you know, what's going on in Dominique's mind? But you don't really, or Tiara's mind. Like, you don't really ever get that. Well, if I may be, if I may rely on stereotypes, the whole stereotype uh-huh. is that men are visual focused, which is why like video pornography is a thing with men, whereas women are more into like emotions and like feelings and like the setup. So yeah, it does mm-hmm. make sense. This would be more for women. And it's like, why don't you go into a little bit of that? Like there was never any emotions or feelings in the scene, in the right. sex scenes or like, but then they also meant. never really described like what the dudes look like. Okay, there's like a random cat just walking by <laughs> you walking by having, my window. You are having an interesting Someone's like cutting their lawn. We have like these two cats that walk across our lawn every day. Uh-huh. And this is a third cat I've never seen before. <laughs> I feel like it's like cat grand sensation <laughs> out there. So I'm gonna try not to be distracted by him. Okay. Well, he's out there doing whatever. One of them came outside my bedroom window and was hissing the other day. So I th- I, I'm trying to think like they're not coming to get me, but I don't know. You're just in their way. But yeah, so I don't know. I have like, I don't know. And I didn't want like, I don't I don't know. I have so many, like, I don't know. Me and this book. Well, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I can't get past. I don't know. I'm just like so horrified at. The editor in me is just really upset. It's like, that's a job. Like. Yeah. That could have been someone's job. Like, I'd freelance. Like, call me. I'll freelance for you. I'd freelance for anybody who needs it. Like, we can talk pricing. Because, like, I feel like proper editing could have saved this book. And I would have, at the very least, been able to read it and better talk about the plot. But because everything was so poorly presented, I Mm -hmm. still can't even get past that. I had no idea what was going on. I felt like Dominique, for the main character, I use that term loosely, I have no idea who she was. I have no idea, and before the cat walked by my window, I was going to say this, like, I have no idea, besides Shanice, what anyone even looked like. Yeah. Like, if you say, oh, men are visual, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, but I, I don't know, I don't know what anyone looked like. Like, in the sex scenes, they're very nondescript yeah. about what's going on outside of them. I know th- you get a pretty clear picture of what Shanice looks like, but then again, you, I think that she's the most fleshed out character. Um... 
But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that there is, I don't want to say that this is a bad book or that this book isn't worth anything because I read it. I got the sequel. Obviously, it's a very popular book, um, but I think it probably could have gone farther and been a little bit more coherent if it did have that that gentle hand of an editor, like taking out the mistakes, shaping it up a little bit. I think, like I said, I think that she she obviously has skills, um, but I think that it, as a first book in this series, it, it needed a little bit more work. Yeah, I just. I I don't want to hate on the author and like I'm not going to hate on the author because I mean like I said she did it but I can't say this is a good book either like at no point could I get into it because I couldn't understand what was going on I felt like I was fighting with it just to read it so and I wonder sometimes I was thinking about this like because our backgrounds mm-hmm. in terms of literature and in terms mm-hmm. of not even just literature I guess of like the written word are very different whereas yours is more English and I guess English is like the study of like books that have been written in like the canon right like would you say that's what your background sort of is like well, you study English no um well my my concentration was actually creative writing okay yeah. um and fiction writing um so I would say we just I don't know I've always just been a a person who reads very widely I think so I've definitely read things that are presented worse than this and enjoyed things that are more poorly written than this and had t- people tell me that things that were great were worse than this. So <laughs> I guess I come from like a journalistic <laughs> background and how you tell a story mm-hmm. to a mass audience. And it's like, uh, and I guess I want to say this, if this book had been free, like if this had been something I read, because I, I read fan fiction and I've read stuff worse than this and like been like, well, uh-huh. you know, that was okay. I'm just really offended that this is like, I think I've harped on this, but I feel like maybe I'm not explaining it right. If this book had just been something she had wrote and put online on like Wattpad or something and someone found it and Mm -hmm. enjoyed it, I probably would not be nearly as offended by it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I've read things on like sites that were not well polished and edited. And I give them like slack for it because, you know, they're doing it for free on their own. But again, the fact that this is presented by a house that's trying to say like, oh, we make names. We give mm-hmm. writers the tools they need to succeed. And, like, they're clearly not. It's like, like, this is, you've you've left the world of, like, just writing for your fun to, like, writing for profit. And, like, this mm-hmm. is not, this is not an acceptable, especially when you know that Urban Lit already faces, like, kind of a stigma of not being very well, you know, received, uh-huh. of having the stigma of not being well thought out or well written or um, full of just vulgarity, like, for you to do that and then just to like half-ass it and not put forth any sort of effort to submitting a fully polished product. I don't know. I just find that doubly offensive. So I, yeah, that's and my I think take that on that's it. just, yeah, I think that's just the sticking point between us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, she writes it. That's fine. If people want to give you 99 cents to read it, take it, you know, why the hell not? And I do think that, um, fiction and novels in particular have this history of being, and I'm talking, you know, across the board, mm-hmm. like when novels first came out as for all time, like novels have had this history of being kind of trashy, oh, yeah. being kind of like something that, you know, are frivolous or just for thrills. Like that's always what is levied against against novels, um, that they're not 
or what has always and traditionally been. And I feel like it hasn't been until probably the last 100 years, 200 years or whatever that, um, you know, we start thinking, oh, well, a novel is supposed to be this really refined thing when that's not really the history of it. So it doesn't really bother me or offend me that this isn't polished or that it's not done from either the economic standpoint. Of course, I don't have the the um, the personal feeling in it because I wasn't an editor. Um, <laughs> and maybe because I was creative writing, I'm like, hey, if you can sell your book, sell your book. You know what I mean? Like if people are going to buy it, then go ahead and buy it. And like just the all over the place-ness of it doesn't bother me because it's like that's kind of what literature is supposed to do i feel like it's supposed to reflect the world around it in a way maybe in a sloppy way (laughs) or maybe in a way that's not totally coherent it does that like even though there's this big aside about um instagram at the beginning like some of that shit was actually funny when he's like uh oh i'm tired of seeing these kids like dressed up as adults or this nasty ass food or even when they do go and see the purge and she's talking about i wonder what would happen like that to me, it was just kind of funny and reflective of what I I see and hear like actual people talking about. Of course, it could have been. Yes, it could have been more refined. You can do this in a way that is that is better polished. But I don't think that that this book isn't also doing that. Respectfully agree to disagree. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think we're going to find I don't think we're gonna no I don't think we're gonna find a medium on this like I I wouldn't um uh say like oh man you got to go out and read it like if you're interested in it pick it up if this is a genre and maybe that's too like that's a point that we're missing from this conversation like someone who reads a lot of um urban lit um you know their thoughts on it like I said I know that this book is just from the Goodreads and the little bit of research we did beforehand, I know that it is a popular book, but I don't know if it's like, if you say, hey, Urban Lit, you got to read, this could be us, but you play it. Like, I don't think that's the case probably, but I don't, I don't know because I'm not as familiar with the genre. Yeah, because we picked this one because it was one of the higher rated titles. And then a lot of the people who rated it, like they read a lot of, like, and they are like, I looked into, I was nosy. And I looked on the people and like, they are very like, I'm trying to think of, I have like a flu, so I've had a lot of cold medicine, so my words are gone. <laughs> What's prolific when you consume things? Like, um, um, uh, you voracious. You a prolific reader. Voracious. Oh, voracious. The They're very voracious okay. readers. Like, one lady, like, read like 200 books, but it was these type of books. And like, so there's obviously a market for it, and there's obviously enjoyment. And again, and I don't want to keep harping on this, I, again, I wouldn't have a problem. It was just the way it was. I feel like I got sold a product that was half, like, half-baked or something. And it's like, I wouldn't. I would have returned this if I didn't, if I had known I only had seven days, I would have returned it within that seven days and gotten my 99 cents back. But I'll settle yeah. for, I did wrote a very mean review. So I figured that mean review was worth my 99 cents of enjoyment. But um, I just could not find a way to enjoy it because I could never at any point get in the story because the structure was just so baffling to me. And so, mm, yeah, I don't know. I did do you think, read, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. I was going to say, did you read the Zola um, Twitter story? Twitter story. I don't know that story. That is about the, the stripper and she meets the, the white stripper and they go to Florida. Is this in this book? No, this okay. is on Twitter. Oh, no. Um, so I'm sure if you're 
hearing my voice, you might have a Twitter account because that's where a lot of our our engagement our comes from. <laughs> that is our main platform. Um, and you might have been familiar with this girl. Uh, she goes, she's stripping. She has this girl who she knows is also a stripper. They go down to Florida and all this like craziness happens. And it um, it kind of reminded me of this in some ways in that um, it wasn't the most polished story, mm-hmm. but it was like it was hilarious. And the characters, obviously, the characters are a little bit more fleshed out in that there's more of a plot. She's a little bit, I think, of a better writer than um, than Catch It is. Um, and it was just funny. It got really viral. Like everyone was talking about it. The other stripper came out and was like, uh, it's all lies. We didn't go down on Friday. We went down on Saturday. Um, so it was this whole thing. And so I thought, OK, that's a funny thing. I hope that, um, you know, this girl makes something out of it. And then um, um, James Franco came out and he's like, oh, I'm going to make this Zola story into a movie. And he's like, but I'm going to put myself at the center of it as a reporter who's reporting on this story. And it's kind of like, why do we need this filter when this girl already told a story? Everyone loved it. Like, why do we need this filter of a white man, of this more established personality to tell the same story to us when it's already been told in a way that might not be perfect, but was at least engaging and funny? And um, and had and skillfully told in some sense. Now I'm not saying that uh, this could be us, but you play in is quite there. But I do feel like sometimes, like what structures do we want to put on someone else's story to make it more palpable for us? And I think that that's that's something that we should ask ourselves when about any kind of media that we that we um, consume. Yeah, I, I don't know if that made any sense. I just woke up from a nap. <laughs> we were really like it. We're like at 50% operation today. Um, I you don't know why? Because it's like we're so close to the inauguration. Oh, I'm looking dead. out the window just sad. Yeah. I, I agree what you're saying about introducing structure, like making, like reducing barriers of entry so that different stories mm-hmm. can be told. I get that. But at the same time, like I guess just from my background, my background is very... um. I have an editor, I edit it, and I have, like, a business degree, so maybe I need to try and get out of that mindset a bit, but I just don't see how you're trying to build up this, build up and raise these voices. Mm-hmm. It's not like she went and, like, vanity pressed it herself, which even mm-hmm. then I could give a bit more slack for. Like, this is, like, some man, there's a man at the head of this company profiting off of all of this anyway. So you obviously have the means and the tools and the resources. You have a company you're making. Why not just put forth a little effort to present the best product so that when it's out there being read and um, analyzed by readers, it's at least the very best, like it's the very best product you can produce. Because I don't feel this is the best they could have produced. I feel that if they had spent just a little bit more time either shaping it or reading it or editing it, it could have been even better. And I just feel like, I guess for me, it just, for me, I feel like when they don't edit it, it's like they don't care. Like there was no thought, like no thought towards the reader no thought towards what they're trying to say. It's just like, we can make some money if we just put this together, charge someone for it and send it out in just like a money grab situation. 
So I guess I get what you're saying. And if it had been an independent press or a vanity press, I probably would have been more sympathetic. But again, this is this is like a business opportunity. This man is doing this on. A, there's a man at the who's like a CEO, this Cole Hart guy, making money off of other people's writings. And it doesn't seem like there seems to be any thought as to the quality. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if his bottom line is to make money, and if you know his shareholders, quotes whoever you know <laughs> is like, I want to make money. Hey, editors cost money, like you know. And if you can make money without them, I mean, that's like, yeah. no, you're not going to get the best product. Yeah. But if people are still going to buy it, then. I mean, well, then yeah. don't be mad when people when there are conversations like does urban belong in libraries or why isn't this being read? It's like, that's why it's not being read, because you're not producing a product that even appears to be quality. And so, like I said, there are titles that are doing that. And I think yeah. that may have been very first wave urban lit because this <laughs> this new urban lit does not seem to be even reaching that bar. Yeah, it 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 was it was much less polished. Like I don't remember this level of typos and just spelling mistakes when I like I probably read more urban lit when I was in high school and college. Like I don't I, remember. That seems to be the prime age. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, like because I read. Omar Tyree's Fly Girl. I read um, Donald Goins. And like that at least felt like, you know, someone wrote this, even with all the content and like the grittiness, someone wrote it, they reviewed it. Someone said like, this is our, like, it felt like a final finished product that they put out into the market. And Mm -hmm. then like you could, they could defend it. This, if you already know, you have this barrier of like, well, you know, we don't get a lot of respect as a genre. Well, maybe it's because, well, don't be mad if you produce this fiction just to make some money. And don't polish it and decide that like things like editors or review practices and things like that aren't important. So I guess my thing is, if they want to just do it to make money and just to get the readers and enjoy it, that's fine. But then at the same time, I read a lot of articles where you have these people who feel as if urban fic is being looked down on or um, degenerated as trashy fiction. When I'm like, well, I mean, you're not presenting it as anything but. Well, are the people who are making that argument the actual creators or are they the consumers? The people I saw, it was like, I think it was librarians. Like yeah, the article I, I found was from like a librarian saying, and I uh-huh. guess other African-American writers saying they did not like their fiction being compared to this because it was not a good quality, not good quality fiction, which I kind of agree mm-hmm. with. Like if you're going to just produce this product, say, oh, we don't need editors. We don't need, we don't need to go through all those editorial processes. That's fine. But then you can't also at the same time complain when you're not taking it seriously. As other yeah, but that's the thing. I don't know that they are the ones who are complaining. Like, I don't think Catchit is complaining. I don't oh, think. Oh, I think uh, it's the readers. The readers who are complaining. right. Yeah. but they're not. They're not the ones making it, and it's kind of like you vote with your wallet. Like, um, you say, "Don't complain." They're not. They're not the ones complaining. I I think they're maybe not. There was. I, let me find a story. Hold on. There were yeah. a few authors who were like. But then again, I think they were so like, there's this BuzzFeed story about this woman named uh, Takara Allen. And she wrote uh-huh. um, a book called Thicker Than Water. It's a BuzzFeed story. Let me see. Here, I'll send it to you. I feel like I'm not explaining my stories, my side of the story. <laughs> oh, there it is. So 
I think she does, from what I can tell, the authors do want to be taken seriously. Like, she self-publishes because she doesn't want to give up creative control of her product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and like, she's like, the people take you less seriously and you have to fight to be recognized amongst many. And it's like, you already have that, like, all these things stacked against you. I just don't understand why you wouldn't try to do it better. Why you wouldn't try to do better. I don't know. I'm really not making a good argument. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point. And I don't think that there is a real answer. It's just that age old question of like, art, respectable art versus commerce. And I think that this is more on the commerce side. And I think that the author and the publisher, like, I don't want to speak for them, but just Mm -hmm. given the research that I've heard you say, I don't think they're concerned. Right. So I think that to Kira Allen, you know, and I don't know, I see just going through this, this BuzzFeed story that we're conflating a lot of different types of writers because they're just saying some black female writers. Okay. But which black female writers, like as we're seeing, as we go along with this, there are a lot of different black women who are writing across the board and they're going to want different things. So if we say, Hey, urban lit or like this story is saying black books written by black female authors are all suffering from this that's not really the case and not everyone is going to see it as something to be detrimental like i think if anything we're pulling out from this from this podcast experience is that (laughs) um there are a lot of black girls out there I mean, we probably already knew this living day to day, but if there's anyone who didn't, like, we have different thoughts and different ideas of what, of what we can produce and what we should be doing in the world. And, you know, it, it, it's, it sucks that we're getting conflated, but I don't know that this, that, uh, you know, um, uh, this could be a spitchy plan is going to prevent, uh, like Zadie Smith from releasing another book. Like, we need to look at individuals. We need to look at... um, I will say this, though. mm -hmm. It's really... Like, if you go to Amazon and try to find, like, African-American literature, it -hmm. gives you almost nothing but urban lit titles. And if you don't want to read that, you have to, like, dig through all of that to try and find... Like, they don't even... They don't... And if you go to... They don't take the time to, like, put some kind of filter to say, like, what genre of African-American fiction... Right. And I think I think that's an external problem. Yeah. Like, I don't think that catch it. Right. Yeah. Having an editor or not is going to to solve that. Like we saw with hidden fences, like we're always going to (laughs) be like our art is always going to be conflated. Yeah. Um, But that was just my issue with with um, what you were saying about how like the audience is different and there are different wants and needs. And I feel like I guess that must be the current big seller in african-american fiction so that's what they're filling the shelves with maybe so. i mean you started this book with um because you saw the amish uh I, you mean the romance yeah, novels right? me off. yeah and it's like i don't think that those are probably very well written oh, um, probably not. so i i don't know i think it's just a lot of different issues kind of all swirling around each other yeah Oh boy, that did this. This podcast went so many different ways. I did not expect it. <laughs> well, I think it's. I think it's. It follows the book. Like usually, our discussion follows a book, and there was just a lot going on in this particular <laughs> book. Like I could keep going with the plot, but I won't because I, I can't take anymore. <laughs> I cannot tangle all of it. 
I am going to finish. I did not enjoy Because I want to see Shanice, like, being taken down a peg. <laughs> so would you recommend this book? Um, yeah. I mean, if it sounds interesting to you, if you want to dip your toe into it, <laughs> it's a pretty easy read. Yeah. I think I've been pretty clear on my side. <laughs> I, I know I sound, like, straight up bougie, and at this point, like, no. I really don't even care. Like... My professional background and my reader background, I just, I can't get down with the fact that, uh, it hurts me. This is why I was unemployed. I'm going to put my head down again. (laughs) No, and I think that that's an important point, too. I think if we were both coming from that position, then, yeah, like, I would be like, the fuck? Like, this is how I wanted to make my living. I'm seeing this bullshit out here getting sold, and I can't make, you know, like, I had to be in Iowa on and on. And I think if you were coming from my position, it's like, oh, man, I wanted to write. Hey, look at this girl. She just go, she just went ahead and did it. Good for her. I will say that so, is really admirable. Mm-hmm. Like, I said that at the beginning, and I honestly meant that she wanted to write a book, and she did it. And, yeah. like, that's what keeps a lot of people from writing books is that they just don't sit down and do it. Yeah. So. And, you know, if, uh, what's his name, Cole wants Cole to make Hart. a little money off of it. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, he ain't getting any more of my money. (laughs) That that was the last and final 99 cents I spent on it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I think it was mostly professional offense. Like, if this had been a better edited book and she was out here doing her own thing, I probably would not have nearly as big a problem as I do. And maybe in the second half of the year, we can go back and read another urban lit book. Yeah. Look for one that's maybe a little more polished and then compare the two. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Because I'll, I'll agree that mm-hmm. no no amount of explaining, and uh, so I went to law school. So you know, my instinct is to pick the alternate point and just argue until I'm blue in the face. But I will totally and 100 percent agree with you. No amount of argument excuses the fact that there are just like random words and misspellings in here. Like someone could have caught that. Anyone yeah. could have caught that. So. But I do like the idea of, like, this does bring up interesting things about, like, self-publishing mm-hmm. and, like, barriers to entry into the books, especially with as, like, you know, racist as a lot of publish- mainstream publishing houses are. There are a lot of authors who feel, well, if I want to get my book out there, I'll just publish it myself. And I think that is interesting. But again, this is, like, one of those, this just adds to another, like, baggage to more bags that they have to carry around and try to, like, stand out. And so I just think it's kind of heartbreaking that, I don't know. I'm I'm off on a tangent now, but um, I think it would no, be interesting if we read like a self-published, another self-published title just to see. Yeah. Like Binti may have been self-published, maybe. I don't know. Do you want to talk about the books that we're going to read, the upcoming books? Oh, uh, yes. So we have decided to try and do two books a month. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we, that's doable. Like we don't have anything. Yeah, I think so. And so, so for this month, we're going to read... We read This Could Be Us But You Playing. And so for next month, we are going to read There Are More Beautiful Things Than Beyonce. We actually mm-hmm. got like, this is the first book I think we've reviewed that has yet to be published. So we're going yeah. like, to have some influencer, influencer I know. status. I um, know. I think she liked my, my She did. Uh, your tweet. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, look at that. Yeah, There Are More Beautiful Things Than Beyonce by Morgan Parker. It's a book of poetry. Mm-hmm. So one of my goals has always been to read more poetry. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is really, I'm really excited about this one. It will be released officially February 14th, 2017. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
we'll get it right Valentine's afterwards. Valentine's Day. I know. We know Valentine's. Um, and then in February, we're going to read both of the Binti books. They're extremely short. Like, Binti mm-hmm. the first, I think, is 92 pages. And mm-hmm. I think Binti Home is maybe just another 100-some pages. So it's Binti and then Binti colon Home. And then the second book we're reading in February was Kindred, which is becoming I'm a sorry, like, music just came on. <laughs> why is music playing? Why, is, why did Adele just start playing? <laughs> Why did Adele just... Did you hear that? I did hear that. Why did Hello just start playing? Hello. I have no idea. Oh, you know what? I think it might have been that we got a... Um, Alarm? Uh, one of those Amazon Echoes. <gasps> oh! I think, I think that just started playing. <laughs> did Alexa? Did Alexa hear yeah. us? I think she just started playing Adele. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, That's for fun. this disjointed, weird episode. We, we can we can edit parts of it out. <laughs> but we're going to do Kindred, a graphic novel, in February. And then we're doing mm-hmm. a YA title, American Street. Mm-hmm. This one seems, there's no romance, so I feel like maybe I won't hate it as much. I think part yeah, of my issues think... with YA is I'm just too, <laughs> too pervy to like be excited about two kids holding hands. I'm like, okay, good for you. I was like, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> and then Why aren't you gonna... at school? <laughs> yeah, go to school. Do your homework. If and then you think gonna... that we were upset at um, this could be us, wait until we talk about the YA. <laughs> I don't know. Discussion. After this, I feel like I'll be like, you know what? The author knew how to use a comma. So I can't even. <laughs> All right, my, my basic standards have dropped. Um, and then finally, we're going to do, this is our first book, I think, by a man. The sellout. Mm-hmm. The sellout. So, yes. because award-winning, historical award-winning novel, we gotta mm-hmm. talk about it. And apparently really mm-hmm. funny. So, I'm yes. excited. So, I'm gonna make sure we get these, the schedule out on Twitter and, mm-hmm. like, pin it somewhere so people have it and probably on the website, too. Because I guess... Yes, so <laughs> please read along with us. Um, if, like I said, if you want to disagree with any points that we made if you're more with danielle more with me somewhere in the middle like let us know um yeah because yeah, we love we've started hearing from people um we had someone leave a really nice long comment on our website um do you have the name danielle so did she's you talk to her? at twitter every, or her twitter was at every woman 98 and i believe her name was robin pizzo pizzo mm-hmm. it's pizza mm-hmm. without the o so yeah she she was she binge listened on itunes we're on itunes now so yes oh and if you would like to do something to support us like if your new year's resolution was just to like you know what be nicer you could totally <laughs> go on itunes and leave us a review or subscribe and review that helps other people find us so yeah we'd really appreciate that yeah we would um so but do yeah. we want to wrap it up with what we're reading sure i am currently reading beverly jenkins indigo which i think i told you about already like I had mentioned I don't it think in you our have. last. Oh, I thought I mentioned it in our last episode. It's the one, the premise where um, a man loved a woman so much. It takes place during the slave uh, times, pre Civil War. Yeah, mm-hmm. man loved a woman so much he sold himself into slavery to be with her. Which, upon reading, I realized is actually not the actual story of the book. Well, I yeah, because really, well, I got I'm really, kind of side eyeing that. <laughs> well, I feel like she could handle it. She's an African American. She's a black woman. She knows her history. I feel like if someone could write it, she could. But that's not okay. the book we got. So I feel a little oh. disappointed. The book follows their daughter. So they, oh. he does sell himself back into slavery. And then they have a child. 
And so they thought they follow, they, the book follows this child, the daughter and her romance. So I was like, oh, okay. I was really excited about that first premise. I thought a lot could have been done with that because like there's mm-hmm. so much possibility for like tragedy mm-hmm. and maybe a happy ending if you know how to do it. But no, so it's been really good though. I'm just, it's not what it was sold to me. So no. I'm currently reading that one. Oh, and I got today in the mail. Mm-hmm. We oh. should all be feminists and I'm going to finish it oh, today. Right. So. What she said was very like a lot shorter than you thought it was going to be. Who? I thought you said it was shorter. Oh, it's a tiny little book. Uh huh. It's I. It's it's this is an essay. Like this is an old school pamphlet. It's fifty pages. The book is about maybe five. Google the book is about maybe like six inches by four inches, and the font is like maybe size fourteen. So it's it's a quick. I could finish this like maybe in an hour and a half. Interesting. So, but it's also a very well recommended read so based on a ted talk she did so i'm very i'm looking forward to it so and i should have read it long before now yeah well i'm glad it was one of your resolutions so yes (laughs) how about you what are you currently reading okay this might surprise you but i have been reading um white teeth um oh my daddy's yeah, yeah. So i was like huh after reading swing time i was like you know i like the cut of her jib (laughs) not the biggest fan of this particular story so let me see let me look back at the one everyone says is great um it's definitely i i think it's better than swing time Mm -hmm. um but i think that i read this interview or something that she said uh she was younger and a younger mindset and more prone to making these big declarations when she wrote that and it really comes through in white tea like i just have to kind of skip over some of the stuff that the main guy is saying because i'm like "Mm, okay but um the characters are just really they really feel alive they're very well fleshed out like london is very interesting um it's really hilarious in different parts um (laughs) one of the main characters mothers like realizes she has to have a baby she's a jehovah witness and she's like 52 and she said god like spoke to her so she threw down the fish that she was gutting um and ran home and engaged in her second least favorite activity and that's how she conceived her daughter i don't know like there's just some real gems in the writing but again i don't know maybe this is a theme like i think a a different editor might have like cold some of the other tangents that she went on so that's what i've been reading (laughs) i will make sure everyone leaves this podcast with a renewed appreciation for editors because yes we are they're important like we found out with that um yahoo tweet oh yes oh god oh god trump wants a nigger navy i yeah it was i mean those tweets were what's that it was up there for 20 minutes. But girl, you already know. Black Twitter is on it. And those Hashtag. tweets were funny. And the hate that people like they were getting afterwards, like, this is what happens with black people on Twitter. Like the responses to those tweets were funny. It's like, just keep going. Just keep criticizing. Keep making mistakes. Because I love black Twitter. And I'm really I glad that hashtag I couldn't get with that one because I knew there'd be people <laughs> who shouldn't have been 
But I That's will say the, the tweets were hilarious. The tweets I saw were hilarious. Like you got going to war with Vietnam money. <laughs> like it was great. And I, I will stand here and defend black Twitter till the end of time because God, I love them. But yeah, I couldn't, yes. that one made me uncomfortable. I was like, I can't, I don't want to get into that hashtag because I'm sure I'll <laughs> see some foolishness and it'll just upset my night. But yeah. Oh yeah. That was bad. If you're not familiar with what happened, Yahoo Finance tweeted out a story, and they meant to say Trump wanted a bigger Navy, but they used the wrong word. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Love your editor. Yeah. Oh, again, love your editor. <laughs> so these mistakes don't happen. <laughs> I'm glad we picked this as our first read for 2017, because I think it was a nice discussion we had, like, you know, high art versus vaulted low art or whatever it is, pop culture. So I'm glad we had it. And you did make me yeah. think about my bouginess, which I appreciate. And you made me love an editor. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hit us up wherever you see us. If I'm at the Albies, like, say hi. <laughs> <laughs> but um, maybe more conveniently, you can follow us on Twitter at at Blick. Oh, my God. I said Blick. Isn't it hard? At, it is. Like, we were talking about all the different ways our name could go wrong because every time I think well you can probably imagine but anyway follow us at at black chick lit or you can find our website at www.blackchicklit.com yes thanks again for listening sorry we are gloomy and disorganized but (laughs) It's 2017 and Trump's the president. So this may be the new normal. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. The dossier. (laughs) I was reading that. (laughs) Oh, God. But yes, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Or we'll We'll hear you next time. time. Yes, we'll imagine you listening to us next time. I'm going to stop now. All right. Bye. Bye.